Howard Lindzen is the founder and general partner at Social Leverage. All opinions expressed by Howard and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Social Leverage or StockTwits. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for decisions. Guests may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast. The wind. <laughs> the Blue. wind is strong. Man, when it's hot and windy in Phoenix, no place. No place to hide. <laughs> Except inside your home where they want you to be anyways. Yeah. I don't know. Day 700 of the quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> Stardate. I'm starting to even get a little antsy. Yeah. Well, everybody's wearing a mask except me now. Well, I wore my mask. Now everybody else should wear it. (laughs) Yeah, you're done. I'm done. I'm hucking in loogies all over the mountain. I'm just a bad citizen at this point. Well, that keeps people away from you, at least. It's a perimeter, we call it. A spit perimeter. Today, we're going to talk markets, going to talk trading, going to talk investing with a wily veteran. He's 110 years old. It's the oldest man trading futures. No, I don't know. He's in the 60s probably. We're going to catch up. Peter Brandt. He's been sharing wisdom uh, for a long time, longer than most. Uh, for, an old, uh, for an old gentleman, he's very active in social media, has a huge following. People seem to like the way he, uh, his mojo, the way he shares. And um, he'll have a different take because he's, you know, Kind of a little more risk averse in his, uh, I've read a lot of his stuff recently and he's uh, personally doesn't need to take the aggravation with his own personal account. So, and technically he loves the markets and he's in Tucson. Oh, right. Yeah. No. He's in Tucson. So we won't be paying long distance for this WhatsApp call. Good deal. Yeah. All right. We're going to call him, but first a message from Manscaped, which is forever changing the grooming game with their perfect Package 3.0 Essentials Kit that includes the latest lawnmower and a ton of liquidity formulations. These are the perfect tools for your family jewels. Love that. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code social leverage when you go to manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code social leverage. All right, let's get Peter on the phone. Hello. Peter Brandt. Yeah, I'm here. What an honor. You're on Panic with Friends. So, wait, are we going to panic together? You and I don't panic. We instill panic. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's it's hot. It's getting hot already, huh? What a bummer. Wait, are you up in Phoenix? I'm in Phoenix, my man. My oh, God. it's been hot. It's been, you know, our swimming pool down to Tucson got up to 86 degrees yesterday. And that's, I mean, I don't have the heater on. And the water got up to 86 degrees. That's crazy for, you know, last day of April. Yeah, for me, 86, no, I still wear a wetsuit if I go into 86 degree weather. Yeah. My my nipples are very sensitive at water below 90. (laughs) Yeah, I I suppose we don't want to bring it up on Panic Radio, but so do you skinny dip or do you, you know, do you suit up? I've never suited up. If you invite me to a pool party, you're in for the shock of your life. It's like Grizzly Adams. Yeah, Martini and the the bare butt. There's nothing. If I wear anything, it's a white Speedo. 
with a just oh, okay. uh, yeah white speedo, and uh, you know no, but uh, that doesn't mean you shouldn't invite me to your pool. My daughter just came home from Tucson yesterday. She's uh, finishing up her last essay. Um. So yeah, we went. We've been walking down at the campus. Um, my wife and I. It's empty. I mean, you get down there. Yeah. And you know what the campus is. It's a great beautiful. campus anyway. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, and there's just nobody there. You know, there's a few students that are on the mall doing exercises or push-ups. But other than that, it's empty down there. What? Uh, where were you born, Pete? Minnesota, northern Minnesota. I can hear the Fargo. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. And in you the were movie born... Fargo, yeah, in the movie Fargo, they talk about the city of Brainerd, right? That's where the police department was. Yeah, that's where, that's movie. that's where we, that's where we're from. Oh, you're you and your wife are from Brainerd? No, I am. No, we raised our kids there. My boys graduated from Brainerd High School. Come on. Yeah, yeah, we're Brainerdites. And uh, did you relate to that movie at all? Oh, I laughed. Oh, I, I mean, so great. I you know, I'm going to watch it this laughing. weekend. Yeah, I mean they're they're butchering people in the meat grinder, and we are just splitting up. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, oh. Pete and I used to do stock twist TV stuff fucking ten years ago with Perlman. The uh, yeah. yeah, now Perlman's with JC now. Is he working for JC? No, Perlman back took over stock twits, Basically, came and just said, "I've had enough." With the real world, I'm going back into Looney Tunes world, and he's basically running the whole thing. I need I need to reach out to him. He uh, is you know, he was helpful for me. He basically was the guy that really connected me with social media. I mean, he set up my Twitter account. Yep. He set up my um, uh, my StockTwits account. He helped me put a blog together. I mean, he onboarded me into the into this crazy world of social media. Love the guy. He's the best. He um I don't know, little known fact, he has three nipples, so don't bring that up. Very sensitive about that. <laughs> so so you would rather have me nude at your pool than see him topless at your pool? That's just, uh, just um, needed to no, put it out there. No, no, we'll find a barrel for you. <laughs> so, yeah, so Phil and, and Twitter loves you, right? Uh, uh, they love your style. I think because you're willing to go crypto, you're willing to go anything. Uh, whatever's working, uh, good or bad, you're pointing it out. And well, yeah, and I, you know, I I pulled back from stock twits a little bit, just simply, and and it had nothing to do with me not loving stock twits, but it, it dealt with with you know with capturing screen captures and moving it over. And you guys have fixed that now, so you know we're going to be migrating kind of back to stock twits as our launching pad because you guys have fixed that. Thank you for doing that, by the way. Yeah, that's all uh, the team. What? Um, how old are you now? Oh, you don't want to know. Is it, uh, so you're 49? Yeah, no, I, I'm in the hard, high, very high risk group for this coronavirus. I'm mid-70s. You're mid-70s, and did you have any pre-existing, or you're just worried? Yeah, no, you know, yeah, I, I'm I'm a dead man walking. I've got, I had a heart procedure last year at the Mayo Clinic. I don't have the best lungs. I have a do not resuscitate healthcare directive. Huh. Yeah, I'm. I am not a great candidate to to live through this thing if if, if I get it. There, therefore, I literally this is now my sixth week in, in 
completely. With no people contract. Yeah, I'm, I've completely withdrawn from the world. I mean, it's literally, it's groceries are delivered, and then they go into quarantine. FedEx comes. Those packages get wiped down and go into quarantine for seven days. Yeah, it's, I'll still get it, but hopefully there'll be good treatment by then. What, uh, and Tucson, because the air, well, you moved there for other reasons, but the, the air, the air quality and just lifestyle? Uh, no, my boys, how, how kids decide on college, you know, that's just a whole crazy deal yeah. by itself. But, you know, we're living up in northern Minnesota in a city of 1,100 people consisting of probably 100 square miles. And they decide, okay, we're going to go to school at the University of Arizona. How that happens, I don't know. Weather, Minnesota, northern yeah, Minnesota, Tucson, yeah. I'm not dumb. <laughs> yeah, that's that's for sure. So that's the thing that kind of brought us down to Tucson. Yeah. And so my wife always wanted to live where the grandkids were, and I finally caved into that, you know, a couple of years ago. We moved down here, and I wasn't sure I was going to like it. It's but great. i got to tell you, I love it. Yeah. I love the desert. Desert living is fabulous. Desert living I mean, obviously, you can't leave this summer, so I, I have the, the privilege of getting to get out. Well, maybe get out. We have a place in San Diego, but um, I think it, it would it would make my brain melt uh, at this point, having to stay the whole summer. Mm. So I, uh, I I feel your pain there. Six and I was just telling Canute before we started, it's like I'm starting to get antsy. Like six weeks, like you, been mostly in the house. Yeah, uh, uh, I'm starting to freak out a little bit, and you seem to be handling it. Well, you're just saying you don't have much of a choice. Yeah, speaking of my Minnesota accent, I, you know, I get a little bit of the Canuck is coming out. <laughs> out and about when I say, uh, and mom, yeah, yeah. A, I say mom. You gotta say A. I don't say A, but I do love bacon. The uh, <laughs> so so I got your letter. I share your stuff. I got your letter and. If you were younger, would you, because now you personally have, have said, listen, you got this rally, the bear market rally, and you were like, enough's enough for a guy my age. Um, so where are you with this market? I mean, I listen to a bunch of your podcasts. You know, you were on Roll, and I had Roll on my show. Yeah. But let's top down. What are you seeing, you know, May 1 uh, post this in, kind of incredible rally off the panic? Uh, I see a complete disconnect. Well, in the first place, let's just both agree, you can't fight the Fed. And if the Fed wants to continue to do trillion-dollar deals, $45 billion a day, now said buying, which includes junk bonds, you name it, they own it. You know, hey, there's not a big living to be made near term in the weeks and months ahead by trying to take the other side of the Fed straight. So you you move past that, though, and I see a disconnect between this idea that the stock market's basically saying, well, it's business as usual. It it, it didn't even matter. It was just a little speed bump in the road, just full speed ahead, back to full employment. And you hear Trump on TV that there's a disconnect between that and what I'm seeing in the real world. Yeah, I, I mean a huge, huge disconnect. I see, you know, and I do get out and about. I drive around, and you know, I connect with my kids here, and they tell me about stuff, and I watch the local news. I don't see it. I, I, I just don't see. You know, new all-time highs, we, we got not too far away in NASDAQ. 
ESPN new all-time highs, you know, S&P 61% back with what I think is going to happen in the real world. I don't think we're going to return. We're going to have a whole new kind of economy when we emerge from this thing. And I, I, I just don't see it supportive of, of, of a brand new renewed bull market. But, you know, hey, uh, I'm a sold out bull. So, you know, I got out of everything. I mean, I, I got out of every last stock, as, as I said in that letter. Yeah. Uh, y- y- you know, in all my retirement accounts or in cash, I own no stock whatsoever. Now, interestingly enough, the S&P's dropped down today to... Uh, to the April 9th level, and that's the day that basically I wrote that letter and, and cleared out my account and went flat. Mm-hmm. So we're back down there. But So I don't see the Fed's here, so I don't see us collapsing. I think we've got the reality of the world, so I don't see us going straight up. So I guess I think we're going to have to wait and see as states reopen what happens to infection rates. And that's what I'm doing. I'm plotting on my little... You know, so old guys use envelopes. We don't have Excel spreadsheets. So, you know, I'm plotting what's happening in Colorado because it's open. Texas, and that's open. Georgia, and it's open. Right. And if these infection rates start back up beyond what you would expect because people are, you know, more people are getting tested, um, then I think we go back and retest the lows. Yeah. Um, and, but I, if we don't see that, I think the Fed will overpower this thing. And who knows? You know, six months from now, We'll have to figure out what reality is and price the market accordingly. Got it. And are your kids in the, are your kids into the market or no? Uh, I have my oldest son, who's never really been a trader. I, I mean, he he has no he has no interest in what I've done for a living. Uh-huh. He is a brilliant stock picker. Uh, I mean, hard literally. He started buying Apple in the late nineties. He bought more after the two thousand crash. He has never sold a share of Apple or Microsoft that he has bought in his life. Uh, I mean, he owns every single share that he has ever purchased. Um, I and I'm, you know, I mean, it's four days, you know, and and I bought Apple a couple times with him, uh, but you know, he he never sells it, and you know, I'm usually out in four or five days wishing I was back in. What does he do for uh, a living? Uh, he's a market. He's a marketing guy. He's, he's a consultant. He does marketing to, to, to primarily branded goods. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, that's what he's always done. He's really good. He's a good marketing guy. He understands, you know, uh, branded good marketing. Uh, but he's just a great stock picker, and always has. My other son, has, he has never traded. Well, I take that back. He bought his very first stock. Uh, three four weeks ago, and you know he's so conservative. You know he, you know it's the old saying, right? Is he doesn't have the first dollar he ever made, but he knows where it is. Got it. And you know for him, T bills are risky. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, you. I wonder if that's the way you. I mean, it's weird because you're a gunslinger in a way, even though you're a conservative. You are not scared of anything. So that's interesting. I wonder where he picked that up. I don't know. He's just, he's very, very conservative with things. He, you know, he, he's, he's kind of generating a little bit of interest in the market. Uh, but he's, he, you know, who knows? I don't see him really becoming active in the market. I think he'll always tend to be shy. But 
I, I know he's kind of watching his brother and he's looking at his brother who owns, he owns, he told me the a couple of months ago that his average price adjusted for splits, right? Uh-huh. His average price of Apple is less than $10 a share. Nice. All right. Well, I'll hit him up for a guest on our show. The um, So with you, what got you interested in the market? Well, I lived in Chicago uh, and, and I, you know, we moved to Chicago right out of college, worked for a big advertising agency, one of the biggest in the world, actually. It still is, although, you know, they merge, they merge, they merge, and yeah. name changes. Mm-hmm. But um, met a guy who was a bean trader. Uh, hey, Peter, come down, have lunch with me. Went down to lunch, had lunch in the member's dining room overlooking the grain floor. And I kind of always had a little bit of an entrepreneurial spirit to me. And I'm going, this is crazy. I mean, this is absolutely bizarre. And the more I learned about the markets, and so I literally kind of just, uh, uh, you know, back then, I guess still now, if you wanted to be a trader, you started at the bottom. I mean, there's no MBA fast track into the business of trading. No. And, you know, you just have to start and grind. It's a grinder's game. You know that. Yeah. You're a trader. You're a grinder. You're a problem solver. You have a little bit of risk aversion to you, but generally you're a pusher. And, you know, I I, I got a job with a grain company, uh, second largest grain company in the world, uh, Continental Grain, next to Cargill, uh, dealt with paper in the corn pit and knew I wanted to be a trader, and it took me four or five years and about four accounts being blown out to figure out and get the scent of the wind and, uh, you know, eventually figured out, okay, this this is how I think I'm going to trade, and, you know, you have a year or two of success, and you build your account up, and you build your account up, and you at some point say, hey, I'm all in, and, you know, for me, that was a five-year period, and you know, as they say, the rest the rest is history. And do you remember the first time you panicked? Uh, yeah. I mean, the first time I panicked was when I I, I did a million. Well, I mean, back back then when you did corn, you, you, it wasn't one contract. You didn't say, well, 10, 10 corn is ten contracts, right? Back then, you did thousands of bushels. So. Uh, it was when I did a million bushels of corn and I, I sold it and I should have bought it. It was an error. And it, it, that sends some shivers down your spine because the pits, when you're in the pits, they sense when somebody's in trouble. You know, the pit just instinctively knows somebody's got an error that they've got to cover. And they usually don't, you know, sometimes if they like you, they let you out easy in this case, some guys liked me and let me out easy. Um, you know, if, if I was a jerk, it would have cost me. But, you know, it ended up not costing me as much as it probably should have cost me. But I know the minute you kind of you realize you, you did the wrong side of the trade, you know, it's, it's almost like the air leaves your lungs. And do you remember the last time you panicked? Did this did this crash make you panic a little bit, or what was your thinking going in when you watched yes, it? You know, I just couldn't believe it. Uh, I it was beyond really what I thought was going to happen, um, and it it did because I wasn't expecting it, and it was my retirement money. It didn't. 
I made money uh, not being short. I made money in interest rates and I made money in gold and I didn't make money short. I'm an index trader. I'm right. a futures trader. I didn't make money on the short side of, of index. Got to be honest. Wish I did. Wish I could say it did. But it hurt me on my retirement money because at the top, I was pretty much 100% committed to equities, you know, composite wise in my retirement money. Well, all the trend I, models were pretty much long. Well, and the trend models were wrong, and I follow uh, the S&P advanced decline line, which was healthy. Uh, I was following um, New York Stock Exchange. Right. Uh, AD, I might have had a little bit of warning. And, yeah, so I got hurt in the decline. I peeled some stuff off and was lucky enough to replace a little bit near the lowest, but, you know, we got the rally, and I got to the point where I was only down uh, 4 or 5% from, uh, you know, end of end of January, and it's at that point where I just said, hey, uh, I'm done with stocks, and I'm, for my retirement account, I, I'm thinking I'm probably done with stocks for my entire life. That's just such a, and then when, yeah, when I read that post, I said, I got to call Peter because Peter is active. Like he has an opinion all the time. And I think it's a good opinion. I'm like, <clears throat> you may share the opinion of, of, of the aging American population that says, motherfuckers. Yeah, well, I can't bet. A, you know, the Fed put is there. But at the same time, you know, every four, eight years, things are changing. And I don't have four, eight years to deal with lunatics and uh, broken uh, markets, because that was, I mean, that was wild. I mean, yeah, and, you know, and for you to I'm say a, that too is honest. Like, I mean, I didn't. No one sees that all-time highs to like uh, bear market in I don't know two weeks. Yeah, you know, I'm a futures trader, and I tell people, you know, they say, "What do you do?" And I, I, I trade futures for a living, and you know, they think that's crazy. That's got to be crazy. Well, let me tell you. Um, it's it, it's calm. It's tame. What I do for a living is tame. It's it's the volatility. I mean, I can't handle the kind of people say. Well, the stock market is a, is a tamer game than futures. Not even close. Uh, I, I mean, I just my stomach, my age. I don't think I can handle the volatility <laughs> of the stock market anymore. Yeah, I love it because it's it hadn't been volatile for a while, so I was strapped in and kind of lucky not to be traveling because of COVID. So I was just like, had all the tools, had my network, made my calls. And I was like, what? Like, definitely like you, I didn't get short, but I was like high enough cash to kind of just peck away at the, you know, in the middle of March. And uh, like you, uh, I sold a little early on the way up, but well, I don't, it was a good trade, but like, I have no idea. And I've been telling, being honest with people, I have no idea the last, you know, once you had the relief rally, depending, you know, Maybe I could have been wrong and it would drop to 1800 straight to 1800 But, like, now that we've had the, the relief, I'm like you. I'm like, sell, sell, sell. Uh, and let me just clear my head and be grateful that uh, I got a second chance here to really kind of survey the landscape. And like you said, I'm talking to my nephews, you know, U of A. I got eight of them down there and early into employment. And, like, seeing the internships get cut and work from home right out of college or no internship, no job right away. 
education system kind of in disarray and unorganized uh, going into this. And I'm like, it's hard for me. And then travel, a non-event for foreseeable future, at least for the upper middle class, who's like, all right, I'll wait it out. And spend, spend, spend gets cut, cut, cut. And I'm, I'm, I've kind of lost my ability to have any context for, 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 for what businesses are worth uh, in a no revenue 60 day world. Cause that's where we're, we're approaching 60 days. Well, we are, and you know, I I don't know, you know, whether you've got an X-rated or R-rated audience. Out it's there. Uh, uh, it's it's fully X. It's a podcast. Well, yeah, I mean, here's the deal. I, I mean, yes, the Fed can do whatever it wants. Yes, but you know, I look at companies who go. There's no way profits don't fall off, and you know, I'm old enough to realize that crap is crap. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of market, a lot of these stocks that, quite frankly, I don't care how much of that stock the Fed's going to buy. They're going to become crap. Yeah. And they eventually have to be priced as crap. But, you know, having said that, I, I without hesitation, would say to somebody who is in their 30s, 40s, maybe even early 50s, you, you just keep you just buy the same amount of stock every month. Just keep buying it. Just keep buying it. You know, because by the time you retire, you're going to make an absolute fortune. I, yep. I mean, just like people are into crypto craze, crypto craze, crypto craze, crypto craze this, crypto craze that. But you know what? You find a stock that you believe is going to be around 20, 30 years from now, a McDonald's, a Walmart, a... Uh, Costco, uh, a Best Buy, whatever the case may well, maybe not Best Buy, but it's going to be around 30, yeah, going to be around 30 years from now. You want the market to go down. You want the market to crash because you want to buy more. You want to have an average lower price for companies that are good brands, well run, not perfect, but they're going to be around. Yeah. And that's what I'd tell young people. Figure out a company that don't don't go with the big hot craze. Figure out a company that's going to be around. And you, you know what? You're going to be really, really happy that you ignore the big breaks. As a matter of fact, you're attracted to big breaks. Yeah, I was. that's when I started the podcast middle of March, March 10th. I was like, you know, all right, it's time to help people because they're panicking. And so I had all the smartest people I could, including now you. Like, you know, I didn't, I didn't know I'd make 80 podcasts in such a short period of time, but... Without a doubt, we could call pretty much call the show white people that are panicking, but talking like they're not panicking. That should be the name of the show. It's like, I'm panicking, but not for you, Howard. And uh, it was without a doubt that I was like, and prices were not never cheap in this crash, but uh, without a doubt, Starbucks, Lulu, I, I didn't buy more Apple, but um, even Google at a thousand. Nothing was cheap, but when you know... The tolerance for pain is is low, and the Fed is there. It was just time to nibble. And yeah, it, it was. And let me tell you, Howard, I've got a, a really good friend who is he's in a whole different atmosphere from me in terms of his ability to understand markets, especially global macro stuff. Um, you'd know the name. I'll keep him anonymous. But when we were sinking and way down there and crashing, I, you know, I, I, I sent him a long uh, email basically saying, I don't know what to do. 
because it was hurting me. And he came back, and it was intriguing. He said, Peter, what's your worst fear? With your retirement money, what's your worst fear? And he said, think about it over the weekend and get back to me. And I thought about that, and I said, okay, what's my worst fear? My worst fear is losing that money. My worst fear was not, hey, uh, I might miss some upside. I might miss the next bull market. I might hmm. miss the turnaround. My worst fear was I'm going to lose this money I've been tucking away for all these years and really intend to pass on to another generation. And that then became my answer. I knew what I needed to do. I needed to bail out if I got some mercy from the markets. That's awesome. And, and, and that's, uh, I really, I mean, I read everything or I try and read all my friends that, that I'm signed up for. And that was like why I was like, that was a good lesson. It was like, if you get the mercy and you understand what your true goals are, and what are you going to do nickel and diming over, you know, five or 10%, right? And that's what you did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy being out. I'm happy being out for what I got out at. I now I can just if I'm going to do risk, I'll do risk in my futures account. Got it. Because I know how to deal with that risk. You know, I'm going home. I'm going home short the nifty um, in Singapore. I'm going home long a little gold. I'm going home basically flat the indexes, and I'll take my risk in the markets I know, which I think is a good lesson too. Is take your risk in the markets you know. Uh, because if you don't know them, you shouldn't be taking risk. That down. But that's so obvious, but so true. Yeah. You just, so many people, my big mistakes are when I get, I'm a salesman, so when I get sold, meaning, you know, I'm, I'm uh, but when I don't really have a knowledge in the game, why am I, I add zero value to the, to the investment or, or the market, uh, I'm the sucker in the room. And it's yeah. just, it's a hard thing. We all have to take that lesson over and over again for whatever reason. As Americans, yeah. it's our duty yeah. as Americans. Now, what uh, did your wife into the market or no? No, she, uh, no, 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 no. She, uh, I don't think she's ever balanced a checkbook. <laughs> Not that she hasn't tried. Yeah. Um, no, she's, it, I, I have pity for her. Because, you know, the interesting thing about what we do as traders is, and I've talked to other traders about that, is their wives are always frustrated because you can't give them a budget, right? They always want a budget. Give me a budget. And so I'm true. Ellen always budget. is like, she'll print out our expenses. She goes, what's our income going to be? I said, what's, how would I know? I'll just make more. Do you just, as long as we, yeah. as long as I know yeah. what you think. But I've had this argument with Ellen for 20 years. Yeah, I mean, Mona, Mona's always wanted a budget, and I can't give her a budget. And so she's learned, okay, she'll come in and say, well, you know, can I, 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 I want to buy this or buy that. And she knows I'll either say, talk to me later, or go ahead, buy it. And so that kind of is the way you settle on, and that's not unusual. I mean, most traders I talk to, if you ask their wives, they're frustrated they can't have a budget. But, um, yeah, so she really doesn't understand what I do. She she doesn't have a clue, uh, you know, other than when we lived in Minnesota and it was early in July and the thunder and I got woken up by the storm. Rather than going to shut the window, I'd find out if it was raining in Keokuk, Iowa, because I had a corn position. 
That's classic. The uh, only guys like us can understand that. The the memes on stock twits around that stuff is so funny. Just that, you know, a husband looking at his wife and she's thinking one thing and he's thinking a complete other thing. The uh, and what do you get the most joy out of social? What is it that you like about it? Because you have to get some positive feedback, and you do. But like, um, I you know what I like is. I hate to call myself a troll because I really did. That's not my intention is to troll people. But my intention is to explore the sentiment on the edges, you know, is to, is, you know, to call out some crypto as a, as, as a total fraud, people being scammed, just to see how those people are going to respond. Or, you know, to call out the, the, the perma bears in the stock market uh, you, you know, I, I don't know. It's kind of almost like a a tainted sense of humor. But, I, yeah, I, I, I like pushing the edges on social media just to see how people are, are going to respond. Is So, you know, half the time when I tweet something out, I'm really not serious. I'm looking for reactions. So I, I don't know. That's, that's kind of a warped sense of humor, but I, it's who I am, I guess. No, I got it. I love it. What, uh, the, yeah, I mean, obviously you get it, but you and I used to joke around all the time back in the early stock twits days. Now, uh, and you like Raul Paul too. I saw you did an interview with him and I had him on my show. What is it? What, uh, what's your kindred spirit there? Yeah. Raul has really strong opinions and I do too, but I have strong opinions weekly held. Uh And so for me, I want to, I want to have a strong opinion when I have an opinion on the market only because without a strong opinion, I'm not going to take a big enough position that it matters. Um, but I want that to be weekly held, which means that the minute I look at red ink on a trade, I, I, you know, I'm looking for a new opinion. Uh Where Raul just he he is persistent. He has an opinion, and he he locks in on it, and um, and and it's based on global macro things. But he's real creative. I think he's real creative how he puts together global macro scenarios. He's very creative, and uh, he you know he he's the guy that talks about the U.S. going to negative interest rate for years. Yeah, um, and you know he's and he's just a sharp guy, and I I, I enjoy him too. You know, I've yeah, been down to the Caymans. Oh, you've been? I haven't been. I'm an investor in real estate, but I haven't been. Is it a nice? Is yeah, it, it's fun down there. Oh, it is fun down there, and they're just nice, nice people. He's got a great group of people. I haven't been over to Little Cayman where he's got his weekend place. I still would like to do that, but yeah, Rule's a sharp guy, and you know he he was he, he was a senior guy at Goldman Sachs, and mm-hmm. anyone that's a senior guy at Goldman Sachs at least deserves you know um, your default position toward him has to be to give him credibility. So yeah, but behind yeah, your back, I, I you, behind your back, you're like fuck Goldman, like everybody else. Too. Well, no, I mean you know it used to be when Goldman had an opinion, you wanted to listen because yes. they you they they, they were smart. Now you know when Goldman has a strong opinion, they're trying to take the other side of their customers. I want trades. And is it? Tr- I mean, that's if everybody thinks it. And I'm not everybody, obviously, but like young people give a shit about any of these brands, like in the financial world. But like, I don't know if I'm so jaded, but I literally, when they say something, you know, there's no reason that they're saying it. 
Oh yeah, I mean their only reason to say it is yeah they got they they want they want to take the other side of the trade. It's just um, it's terrible yeah, that we think crazy. that because there's a lot of truth to it, and that's the bummer. Oh, I think that's it's true. Bummer. I oh I absolutely think it's true. I, I I totally think it's true. Where you know it's not necessarily true for you know all of the big names and. In New York, I mean, some of them, I think, you know, actually have research departments that aren't, you know, that aren't uh, leading their customers down to the, the you know, the slaughterhouse. So, you know. Where, who is your first, uh, and how important are mentors to, you know, I talked to so many young people and it's about, you know, with Stocktoots, it's about just finding some mentors, paying for it, uh, listening, uh, trying different things. What, who is, how important is mentorship to you? Wow, that is, that is, it's such that is such an amazing question because, you know, I came from the exchange days. You know, I I I School spent the first knock. six yeah I spent the first six years of my trading all day long with guys who were good traders. You know, I I office with them. I I sat in restaurants with them. I rode the elevators with them. And, you know, you lock on to some people who care about you and take you under their wings because I wouldn't have made it without guys doing that. And I just can't imagine this day to day with computers. you got somebody sitting down in their basement and all they've ever known is, is themselves and their computers. And, you know, it, 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 they're trying to take this thing on themselves where I just realized man, this is, this is a community project. And, you know, I still have a group of probably 20 guys that we share emails and another group of three, four guys that, you know, when I have a bad day, I call them and it's not that I'm looking for an, their, their trade or their idea, but you just use guys as a sounding board. I can't imagine Howard, what it's like to be a, you know, to fly solo in market speculation. I, it's just, for me, it's, it's just in, unimaginable. Yeah, I think that's why we're so popular and takes a while to build a community because, yeah, it's easy to find a community of 20. You've spent years building your one community. but And so that's what made, I think, social media or like StockTwits take so long is like it's easy to help one person find 20 people. It's hard to find, it's hard to help 100,000 people find 20 people. And so that's really interesting. Like that is it because you don't need thousands of people. You do need a core of people that you can have jokes with, solace with. Yeah, I don't want... I don't want anything from my mentors. I just want to be able to hit them up with my pain and and let me know what it felt like when they got cut like that. Because what we're finding out on Panic with Friends is we all get cut. Yours was that one uh, corn trade, uh, and it was insignificant in the bigger picture of life, but you don't forget it because you were just fucking at the mercy of the other side of the trade and probably changed you in many ways because, like you said, you were a nice guy, so these guys didn't take you for what you were what they could have taken you with. So that was a lesson in and of itself. Yeah. And you know, when you form the, the key, I think for young guys, when you try to form a peer group, whether it's a peer group that you cost you a little money to be involved in, or a peer group that you kind of connect with people on social media and somehow you, you develop a network and a relationship with them. And you, you know, but it's not to get your next trading idea. I mean, because that will only lead down the wrong path uh, you, you know I need a peer group because I need somebody to tell me to be short corn that doesn't work you, you need a peer group 
that can help you, that have enough seasoning behind them that they can help talk you through the mistakes. They can help you realize the mistakes you made and help you think clearly through how you navigate the maze of landmines that are that are that are involved in the world of doing market speculation, either for a living or for a, a payable hobby. Yeah, you're the man. The uh, I'll have you on more often if I keep doing the podcast. I mean, I think the key points here are your overall opinion as an adult uh, aging uh, person living in COVID. So you, you you took the mercy of this 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 rally. And you don't care if the market goes higher. Your personal account, you'll continue to do futures trading. Uh, your retirement accounts are cash and to give away to your family later on. And and, um, and in terms of mentorship, I think it's the key, right? Like everybody needs mentors. So the old us old guys have got to mentor the young people. And the young people need to learn how to ask for it and how to get it and how to put that mentorship to work. I'll, I'll argue with you on one point before I go is that I don't think it's bad because of social media, right? I don't care what you look like, what the color of your skin is, how fat, small, short you are. If you're in your in the basement and you really are on your computer and, and you build a network without even meeting these people as we're seeing over 20 years, I think, I think you can learn to trade uh, from the computer. And I actually think because of Robinhood, people are learning to trade in a different way, which we all laugh at. But if you can learn to trade on one screen, that is your edge. If you can learn to trade yeah. off less data and learn to make a living, that will continue to be your edge forever. So yeah, don't, don't, yeah, don't I, lose I your agree, edge. I would agree with that. But that's a unique personality. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, you know, that's a guy that, that actually really, um, yeah, it, it's totally conceivable to do. Yeah. I, I think the more important part is you gotta you gotta know who you are. You gotta yes. you, you gotta know. Okay, I am I am an INTJ. I know that. That's who yeah. I am. Mm -hmm. My trading reflects it. Everything in my life reflects that. And so you got to figure out who you are as a person mm -hmm. and be honest with yourself and tra and transparent with yourself about uh, how you're going to screw up and what you know what portions of your of your character traits are you going to try to elevate. And what portions are you going to try to manage? Because you'll never defeat them. All you can do is manage them. No, and the market and, will just keep exposing it. So why lie? Yeah, exactly. Be honest, because the market's the market's not going to fool around with it. Yeah, yeah. right yeah. on. All right. So hopefully, I'll see you in Tucson, um, but not this summer. Uh, bathing suit. Bathing suits are mandatory in my backyard. Dude, listen. I have pictures all over the web. Just imagine me without clothes on in your pool. Uh, you know that what? I don't want to do I feel that. Bad that that's the that last image you have. My head. I <laughs> yeah. do not want that turned into my head. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm so good. I'm so glad you're all right. And it was great to talk to you. And StockTwits community will love listening to this. And uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah. Hey, give me a send me a link to that and we'll, we'll put it up to my guys. Okay, buddy. Talk to yep. you soon. Bye bye. We'll have an interesting cat, huh? I like him a lot. He used to just yell at me. What? How do you make this work? And I was like, I'm not running the, I'm not involved with the company anymore. Get me, you know what I mean? <laughs> just like a trader would. Like it didn't yeah. mean anything by it. It was just like, this is what traders do: just yell at people to bring them stuff. I really not because like we're dicks. It's just we're staring. Like we get lost in our own. Yeah, Peter. Uh, I really like. Yeah, I Phil really liked him. a couple of things he said. You know, take your risk in in markets you understand. You do that. You know, you're like you take you put it right. all in your home and you put it all in your hands. That's what you do. And what else? 
And the one thing he said about pick a company that's going to be around yeah. and buy some stock every week. People that I help do so much better than me because they just never sold their Amazon or Apple. Mm-hmm. You know, 2001, 2002, the first Apple store, I made all my friends buy Apple and a lot of them never sold it. But it and takes all the nerves out of it on a daily basis by doing it that way as well. Yeah, there's a lot of, com- and this is why kids are good at it. There's a lot of companies they know they're going to be living with for 30 years and they're like, okay, I don't need to check the stock price. Right. You know, I'm using the goddamn product every day. That's the 8 to 80 stuff that I, that I uh, kind of think about. All right, everybody. We will be back soon with another panic with friends. That was Peter Brandt.